0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator <laughs> and welcome to Fruit Loops. Bienvenidos, bitches. binafi. It's episode 140. And we thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and the victims that we don't hear or know much about. Contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are straight, cis, gender. Able-bodied white dudes. No. Well, there are many well-documented <laughs> cases of serial killers of color and Fruit Loops is a podcast all about them. We will take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of serial killers and true crimes committed by people of color and the victims of the media and entertainment commonly leave out because the news
2: is racist allegedly. And we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy, a Black Latinx woman. And I'm Beth, and I just happen to be white. It is not her fault, everyone. (laughs) We are not journalists, investigators, or psychologists, just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Also, the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that, our opinions. Please send any questions or comments to fruitloopspod at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail at 602-935-6294, and we may feature it on a future episode. Also, our website is fruitloopspod.com, and we use Fruit Loops Pod for all
0: our social media. The footnotes for each episode can be found on our website. Plus, check it out for the different ways that you
2: can support the show and become a Fruit Loops patron. Yeah. So- are we talking about today, Beth? Today we're talking about Priscilla Joyce Ford, a woman who injured 23 people and killed six by Mm. driving her car down a sidewalk in downtown Reno, Nevada on Thanksgiving Day in 1980. This story was researched and written by Minnie, who is now our official researcher. Yeah, hip-hop air horns to Minnie, because I was
0: reading through. She is so...
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah she has some little comments here and there so
0: <laughs> I love it mini <laughs> chef's kiss uh but before we get into it uh how you doing Beth
2: uh well I'm better now I okay. uh I was sick for two weeks ooh. it was not COVID related but it still sucked <laughs> yeah yeah I was worried I was
0: worried there for a second. Yeah. Like, ooh. Is she gonna make it? And she, she was she die? was on the prayer list for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually walking up to the altar on my knees praying for you. <laughs>
2: and uh, my grandson is still getting used to being here and it's been mm. a challenge I've mm-hmm. mentioned before that he's special needs and mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. kid has so much energy <laughs> <laughs> when you described it, when you described the
0: level of energy I was I was blown away because I I mean I figured all little boys are energetic but no, uh
2: no this, this one is like uh, he, he's definitely like it At an eleven plus for sure. So it's been difficult to find time to work on the podcast. Uh, For example, I get up at five a.m. every morning, even on the weekends, to get at least an hour or two of work on the podcast done Uh without interruption because it's like the only time I can do it. Mm -hmm, Well, mm -hmm. uh, this morning my grandson was up at five (laughs) thirty. Holy shit! Yeah, I about cried. (laughs) And does does he? like
0: nap during the middle of the day or like quiet time? Nope. No.
2: Nothing. I mean, the only time we really get any quiet time is if we let him uh, look at our phones or uh, play his switch, but that causes other issues. So we try to limit it and uh, it's a struggle. (gasps) Um, (laughs) Bev, have you
0: considered getting a trampoline? Um, It's changed my family's life. Seriously. Especially we got it during the pandemic. Right. And it was just really great for our kids, even I use it sometimes, but to wow. just go out and jump. Just yeah, jump. Yeah. And they do it for hours. <laughs> I'm recommending <laughs> okay. I'm re- that's my I'll, prescription I'll, uh, for you. I'll
2: suggest it to my daughter and see what she <laughs> says. I'm not sure uh, what she would think of that, but I'll I'll suggest it. Well,
0: yeah. they are dangerous and deadly. Yeah. However, yes. But uh, they're, they're a good outlet.
2: <laughs> but anyway, we're trying to get back on schedule and uh, we hope you can bear with us when we have uh, little hiccups like uh, last week we had to not do an episode because I was too sick. So
0: Yeah, we're doing our best. My My therapist told me once that it's really difficult to be angry at people when you remember that we are all doing our best. I'm doing my best. You're doing your best. Um, And so my perfectionist friend, Beth, your best is perfect. Uh, um, I also believe that our fruities know that, that we are doing our best. And um, I, I I love and appreciate them for that. So be easy, yeah. friend. Be easy on yourself. Stop being yeah. so hard on my friend. Yeah. Beth. Um, we are all doing our best and that is perfect. Um, me, just I'm good and terrible at the same time. How are you? Yeah. Thanks for yeah, asking. Same, uh,
2: <laughs> same.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just just out here doing our best that's all so let's move on to our listener
2: letter portion of our show here well hello angels thank you what's in the bag beth (laughs) well we got an email from marta Oh,
0: OK. And Marta
2: said, hello, ladies. Wow. Wonderful podcast. Thank you for the information and educating on issues impacting marginalized communities. I did notice that in an episode about Canada, Drake's role, Drake the Rapper, Drake the mm-hmm. Rapper, his mm-hmm. role on Degrassi came up eliciting some laughs when it was revealed his character was in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I fully admit that was me. That was yeah, was probably that. me too. Probably and
0: me too. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
2: Marta continues to say I think ableism is one of these areas that able individuals tend to forget. And as lo- a longtime listener, I know you would never mean to perpetuate any harm judgment on disabled groups. I just wanted to draw your attention to it. Thank you again for opening my eyes to issues as a Polish immigrant. I need to be aware of to be a better ally. And, ah. uh, Thank you, Marta. Absolutely. Hip-hop air horns to you. And we love the constructive criticism. Yes, yes, we do. Yeah, this gives us an opportunity to also have a conversation about ableism, allyship, and that we make mistakes. And mm-hmm. and uh, like I said, I fully admit I made a mistake in mm-hmm. that one. I'm not even going to try to uh, justify it. It was, It same. was. yeah, I, I uh, Fuck yeah. that up. Yeah, Apologize. Me, same, same. And uh, this is a safe space where growth and failure live simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully we can help others see that we are doing our best to be good global citizens, that we don't get it right all the time. Right. But uh, we cop to it and keep trying and everyone can do the same. That's right. That's yeah.
0: right. So uh, thank you, Marta. Thank you so much, Marta. Yeah. All right. So we got several patrons, Patreons, cash app donations. Yeah. Thank you all for supporting our show. Uh, thank you for those who have continued to support our show. Um, we couldn't do this without you. So yeah. here are some thank you tunes. Let me give you all the names. So there's Shannon, there's Nell D, there's Lori D, uh, Joyce and Susie from Scotland. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. here we go. Oh, OK, thank you. OK, uh, here we go. Because I realized we got Shannon on Podbean. That's what I got. And in the end, that's what I found out. And it ain't no need to cry. Because from now on, Shannon is a Froot Loops friend. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. uh, Naldi, this is for you. It's my twin and them. Go best friend. We killing them. (laughs) Naldi is a Patreon. Ooh, these new niggas, yeah. I ain't feeling them. <laughs> Thanks, Melby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Lori, Lori D, this is for you. Okay. It's the Lori D for us. It's the Lori D for us. Blood splatter <laughs> instead of pulled true crime content. <laughs> Stata on News. It's Lori D. <laughs> okay, Joyce, this one is for you. Thank you for your Cash App donation. Yeah. Um, it's the most wonderful crime of the year. <laughs> Thank you, Joyce, for donating. Hope we're entertaining all throughout the year. <laughs> it's the most wonderful crime of, of the, the year. year. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Susie from Scotland, this is for you. All right, because it's Thanksgiving and this, oh man, I love this song. Okay, I got beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lambs, rams, hogs, logs, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes. Susie, 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 Susie you name it! <laughs> uh, and uh, hip hop air horns to everybody. Thank
2: you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>
0: And if you hated them, I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, so now we're going to take a quick break and get into the story when we come back.
1: American Vigilante. Now. Hello, this is Dr. Grande, the host of True Crime Psychology and Personality. On my
0: podcast, I explore and explain the pathology behind some of the most horrendous crimes and
1: those who commit them. We discuss topics like narcissism, psychopathy, sociopathy,
2: stress. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Fruit
0: Loop serial killers of color. Listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash fruit. That's betterhel dot fruit on
2: level 304. Beth, tell him about the offline play. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> there is offline play, so you don't even need Wi-Fi or the internet. Oh, good. So download your new favorite getaway, Best Fiends, for free today on the App Store or Google Play. You'll even get $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level 5. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends.
0: Okay,
2: we are back. Remind us, Beth. Who? Is our subject today? Today we're talking about Priscilla Joyce Ford, who drove down Virginia Street in Reno, Nevada at 40 miles per hour into a crowd, oh. killing six people and injuring 23.
0: Uh-oh. Well, uh oh. Well, and for those of that, uh, y'all that don't know, Priscilla Ford is a black woman. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, and so here we go into some stats. All right. On November 27th, 1980, Thanksgiving Day, while some were overindulging on turkey and stuffing, others were overindulging in murder. Shout out to you, Keith Morrison. At me, bro. Uh, so Priscilla Joyce Ford was born in February 1929 in Michigan, which is north. It is a um, stop in the uh, on the Great Migration and a place um, for uh, Black people to be more free than they were in the South, right. So, we'll, we, uh, which is important. But we'll get into her mental health. But it is very likely that one of her parents or grandparents was an enslaved person. Yeah. So that's significant, too. Uh, she had three children. She injured 23 people. And killed five initially, but my understanding is two people later died of their injuries. One person died a year later. Oh my god! Yeah, and uh, so so she wasn't charged uh, for that murder. For that one, but, okay. Yeah, um, and this all happened on Thanksgiving Day in 1980. Those who died were thank you, Beth, because I could not find these names anywhere. Oh, it was actually Minnie, Minnie who <laughs> oh, did this. Yeah, Minnie. Hang on a second. <laughs> Minnie, thank you. Uh, Okay, so rest in power, y'all. Iva Britton from Reno, Nevada, was 80 years old. Jolene Cranmer from Horsehead, New York, was 20 years old. John Cochella from Reno, Nevada, was 60 years old. Paul A. Nitzel was from Sunnyvale, California, was 73 years old. Josephine Starkey from Sparks, Nevada, was 50. And there was a sixth vic- victim whose name we do not know. And then again, there was a seventh person who died a year after, um, whose name I am not aware of Um But rest in power to all of uh, those folks. And um, her choice of weapon was a blue 1974 Lincoln Continental, which she used to mow down a crowd. And her mental health is a contributing factor. And if you were worried about your holiday being ruined by Priscilla, fear (laughs) not. She did. (laughs) Details to come. (laughs) So now we're going to get into the setting. Take us there, Beth. Well, the setting is Reno, Nevada. Uh, uh, People from Nevada really don't like it when people say Nevada.
2: Nevada. Okay. Yeah. My apologies. <laughs> people from Nevada. Thank you. Nevada. <laughs> <No> okay. <more. laughs> Here we go. So uh, Reno is historically majority white. Mm-hmm. And today black folks still make up less than 3% of the population. Mm. The land on which Reno sits is in the northwestern portion of the state in Washoe County. This area was originally inhabited by the Martis people from 2000 BCE until 500 CE, then later by the Washoe people.
0: Oh, that's I. I that's a really interesting fact. Um, yeah. And I, my mother-in-law lives in Reno. Mm. And uh, Reno is, what do they call it, the biggest little town. Uh, yeah, biggest little city in the world. Yeah, woo! Yeah. Ooh, Reno and you know the th- One of my favorite shows Is Reno 911 oh, And yeah. <laughs> I hate to say We're this Reno but it's very accurate Yeah <laughs> Uh, So similarly to other lands that weren't immediately appealing as farming land for European settlers, it wasn't until the land was desired for another reason that Europeans began to make serious efforts to occupy the land to settle there. So, fuck white supremacy.
1: Next.
2: (laughs) (laughs) When silver was discovered in 1859 by Europeans in nearby Mount Davidson, settlers began to flock to the region. Mm -hmm. The discovery of silver sparked something of a mining rush in Nevada, which was then (laughs) part of Utah Territory, and a community began to develop. In 1861, Nevada officially became its own territory, separate from Utah.
0: Um, another little thing I have to interject here. So I uh, my kids had I think they had Columbus day off of school mm-hmm. and they learned about Columbus. And I was like, "Oh, you mean the rapist, racist um thief?" Uh, and they like were puzzled. and I just I just took their tablets from their hands and said, I just discovered these tablets. They're mine now. Isn't that stupid? Uh, And so we're just like going around the house, like, oh, I Christopher, I'm gonna Christopher Columbus this. I'm gonna Christopher. I mean, because that's what it is. It's ridiculous. I see something
2: I like. I'm just gonna take it. Yeah, I'm gonna start calling that (laughs) Columbusing. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Merch
1: alert.
0: So
2: (laughs) the spot
0: the spot Reno currently occupies started as a log toll bridge across the Truckee River in 1859 and was eventually named Lakes Crossing. Uh, It was named for, of course, after a white man named Myron C. Lake, who had purchased the bridge and had been
2: instrumental in developing the community there. Lakes Crossing soon became the largest town in Washoe County. As railway lines developed across North America in 1863, Lakes Crossing was selected as a stop along the way for one of these lines. Myron C. Lake had guaranteed the selection by dating land to the Central Pacific Railroad in exchange for a commitment to building a railway depot in his community which uh sounds shady to me doesn't it though yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh so on may 9th 1868 after the railroad station was built the town of reno was officially established lakes crossing had been renamed to reno to honor union general jesse lee reno who had died in 1862 during the civil war
2: well at least he was a union general. a union
0: yeah <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> there's that <laughs> the establishment of the railway station helped the community grow and both economic and cultural development soon followed. The University of Nevada, what Nevada? Thank you. <laughs> the University of Nevada was founded in 1874, then in 1885 the primary campus was built on a rise of land overlooking Reno.
0: The university contributed greatly to the town's identity and gave it a reputation as a cultural center. I don't know if I go that far. Reno <laughs> nickname, Biggest Little City in the World, is a nod to the wide range of cosmopolitan amenities available in a city (laughs) of its relatively small size. Give me to the (laughs) golden (laughs) nugget!
2: Eventually the silver ran out, and Reno, along with the rest of Nevada, needed a different draw to attract business. Nevada passed new divorce laws in 1927, which allowed people to divorce after six weeks of residency. Formerly, it had Been six months. Wow.
0: Okay, that's something. Now, this allowed local businesses like hotels, dude ranches, ring resetting services, etc., to make money off of such visitors. Most people left Nevada when their divorces were finalized, so it was a good influx of cash from divorce tourism. (laughs) Wow. (laughs)
2: <laughs> also, the state of Nevada legalized open gambling on March 19, 1931. Casinos were built, which drew even more people and all their money to the area. However, Reno was very segregated and racism was rampant.
0: Uh yeah. Whenever I go there I feel like a speckle of pepper in somebody's milk. Yeah. yeah. Uh so until the nineteen sixties, although there were no actual laws legislating it, black folks were restricted in housing and employment opportunities, were not served in white restaurants and bars, and could not enter white casinos or stay in white hotels. And prior to 1959, interracial marriage was illegal in Reno. Oh, wait, that was 1959. Jesus, do better,
2: America. (laughs) Bethel Ami Church, which is the African Methodist Episcopal Church.
0: Where I grew up and was married. Okay. Yeah, there you go.
2: It was a religious, social, and political center of the Black community, initially for Black settlers in the 1910s and later for local civil rights activists activists during the 1960s. Many members of Reno's NAACP chapter, founded in 1919, were also congregants of Bethel AME, and the church acted as the official meeting location of the chapter. Fantastic. And that's true of most
0: all Black churches throughout the United States. Now, during the early 1940s, the church sought new quarters for the Bethel congregation, which wanted to expand its facilities to include a kitchen and social hall. The church proposed purchasing an existing building in the predominant prominently white area of Northwest Reno near the university of Nevada and Reno high school. Guess what happened? Uh Oh, wait a minute. They didn't like it. The yeah, whites yeah. didn't
2: like it. They, for some reason, for they didn't some like it. strange yeah.
0: reason, you know what is race, race doesn't make any sense. It yeah. is preposterous it's to stupid. believe that yeah. somebody's skin makes you that difference. Right. Uh, but, here we go. <laughs>
2: but white people think so. Oh my <laughs>
0: not God! All, not all white people. Not all, not, all, uh, not all. Hashtag be like Beth.
2: <laughs> and protests were lodged by the university, the school board, and the Gamma Phi Beta sorority at a Reno City Council meeting against the Black congregation moving to that section of the city. Because of the protests, the congregation decided not to move to another building and instead just renovated the existing church, which had been built in 1910.
0: Because of racism and segregation, the divorce experience in Reno for Black folks was different from white folks. Get do You, you know? don't say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Establishments that welcomed white divorce seekers, such as hotels, boarding houses, restaurants, and casinos, were not available to black divorce seekers.
2: So, Bethel AME embraced them. Mm. The church helped them find accommodations, and a boarding house associated with the church was located on the site, mm. catering to black congregants and divorce seekers. The church also provided entertainment and meals. Wow. Uh, So in the 1950s,
0: when showroom entertainment drew crowds to popular white venues, even well-known popular Black performers could not find places to stay in segregated hotels and motels. Um, And the first place to cater to Black customers was the Siesta Motel, built in 1946, which served Black automobile tourists and Black performers. And by the way, um, Black performers... Who were allowed to perform in these casinos would have to like go in through the back, right? You know, right. Um, even though people were paying to see them. It's it's ridiculous.
2: Yeah. yeah. The first places that offered entertainment to Black folks were the New China Club, the Elite Club, and Club Harlem. Mm. These facilities offered casino gaming, but for many years, only Club Harlem, Woolworths, and a small Chinese restaurant, and the regular AME Church socials would serve meals to Black folks. Today, Bethel AME Church is one of the most significant buildings in the state of Nevada associated with its Black population and civil rights movement.
0: Shout out to Bethel AME. Now, by the late 1960s, other states began changing their divorce laws as well, so divorce tourism dropped off. But gambling continued to be a profitable business for Reno, even into the 1980s. It still has a reputation to this day as being the divorce capital of the United States. Wow. Yeah, though it is reinventing itself as an outdoor recreation destination, as it is close to a number of ski resorts and Lake Tahoe. Uh, So now we're going to get into Priscilla Ford's early life. What do you got for us, Beth?
2: Priscilla Joyce Ford and nay Lawrence was born on February 10th, 1929 in Michigan to parents, Lucille Marion Minnissi of Michigan and Richard James Lawrence of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Priscilla was the sixth of eight children, all of whom were born in either different parts of Michigan or different States. So it appears that her family moved around a lot when she was young. Mm-hmm. Her youngest sibling was 11 years younger than her and Whoa. her oldest was two years older.
0: Whoa, yeah. wait a minute. Wow. Okay. Yeah.
2: So this is an aside by Minnie. Mm. And uh, she says being moved around a lot as a child is definitely not good for the mental health of that child. Right. Beth and Minnie had been moved to at least eight different homes, a couple of them motels in four different states, both West Coast and East Coast, by the time Minnie was 11 and Beth was 13. And they can confirm it can really negatively affect you. Right. It doesn't necessarily have to lead to murder, though. So So (laughs) far. <laughs> Beth and Minnie haven't killed anyone that they're admitting to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you for that. M- Minnie, I am just cackling reading your <laughs> asides. Uh gr- grow, Minnie. Uh, <laughs> and I also, this is an aside. I am so happy that Minnie, because Minnie has also, Beth is very private. I don't know if you all have noticed this. <laughs> We don't know much about Beth. And I love getting these details. So um, back to Priscilla. She was married to her first husband, Dewey George Ford, in 1946, right out of high school when she was only 17 years old. She had two sons with him, born in 1948 and 1949. And her father passed away in 1948 when she was just 19 years old, two years after she was married.
2: In 1952, she divorced Dewey, a book that she wrote many years later called Where Heaven Is Now, Hmm. though full of veiled convoluted rambling implies that he was likely abusive. Priscilla married again in 1953 to a man with the last name of Page and divorced again in 1954. She then married William Scott in 1956.
0: Priscilla reportedly had a very high IQ at 140. So wow. even though, she, yeah, she only had a, a high school education, she was able to find a job as a teacher in a one-room schoolhouse in Dowagiak, Michigan, in 1957. She was the first Black teacher in the area and is remembered as a gifted, caring teacher. And she would have been 28 years old at that time. And she kept her job as a teacher from 1957 to 1966.
2: In 1962, Priscilla gave birth to her third and last child, Winter Scott. She divorced William Scott in 1965 when Winter was still quite young. The previously mentioned book that she wrote implies abuse from him as well.
0: OhioMysteries.com Get ready for your starring role in a thrilling adventure full of hidden clues, immersive scenes, danger, and romance.
2: That's right. It's June's Journey. And you play June Parker, an amateur detective investigating a series of mysteries. Ooh, you'll put
0: your powers of observation to the test. Sharpen your sleuthing skills, find
2: objects and claim rewards. The visuals are fire. It's like a party for your eyeballs. (laughs) As you play this thrilling adventure full of hidden clues, immersive scenes with danger and romance in full force.
0: Whether you're craving a good mystery or just need to get away for a while, June's Journey is the
2: perfect game for you. It really is a sweet escape. I like to play when I need a mental pick-me-up. There is a detective in all of us. Find your inner detective. Download
0: Juden's Journey free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play now we're going to get into the timeline. So Ford's first arrest was in 1957, when she shot her husband in (laughs) alleged self-defense and then shot herself, but both survived. She was 28 at the time and she was arrested, but there weren't any available details about a conviction for this. So sorry. Um, There were apparently no charges filed. It's also unclear whether this was before or after she became a teacher, as it is reported,
2: um, that it occurred in the same year. Ford left Michigan in 1967 with her daughter, Winter, moving from place to place in various states, taking whatever job she could find. During this time, she began to develop an obsession with religion and began to tell people that she was Jesus.
0: Whoa! (laughs) (laughs)
2: That that escalated quickly. (laughs) It did, not it, though? (laughs) She was married for a fourth time, sometime after this, to a man with the last name of Wagner.
0: Okay. By 1970, Ford's behavior had become noticeably more strange to friends and family. According to them, she... Said that she kept seeing her dead husband, her first husband, Dewey, who had died in 1959, across the street from her home in Buffalo, New York. Hmm. She also apparently thought that she was Adam and Jesus Christ reincarnated. Wow. Wow, that's uh, That's a lot. (laughs) That is a lot. Impressive.
2: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) In 1972, one of Ford's sons returned from his service in the army to find that she seemed delusional and was habitually drinking more alcohol than she used to. During this time, she was also arrested on more than one occasion on minor charges for a variety of things, each time being released.
0: She separated from her last husband in 1972, and her children say he died died after the separation, one day after she told them, quote, I hope God strikes him dead, unquote. Wow. At one point, wow, it worked. At (laughs) one point in (laughs) 1973, now living in Reno, Nevada, Ford voluntarily committed herself to the Nevada Mental Health Institute, where she was treated and released. They assigned her the diagnosis of passive aggressive personality with hysterical episodes.
2: Wow. Yeah. Passive aggressive personality is not really considered a diagnosis because it's not in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, oh. also known as the DSM. Mm-hmm. It is considered more of a behavior that can be symptomatic of other conditions. And I listened to a great episode on passive aggressive personality disorder on Psychology in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, which I've shouted out before. That's uh, right. The host is Kirk Honda, and he's mm-hmm. a, a Asian man. Uh-huh. And uh, he's really smart and interesting. So I, I uh-huh. recommend you guys give it a listen but anyway subscribe this, <laughs> this was a patron only episode and yeah i'm a patron so. <laughs> of course you are of course and uh, i haven't listened to it in a while because i listened to it a, a while back but uh-huh. off the dome i believe kirk explains why he thinks it should be a diagnosis and mm. why it's not in the dsm uh the reasons being mostly political Interesting. I had no idea so much of what gets put in uh, the DSM or taken out Uh is based on politics within the mental health community. That was eye opening. Get out
0: of here. Wow. Um. Wow, thank you. For, <laughs> gems dropped. Uh, <laughs> the the person exhibiting passive-aggressive behavior might not even be aware of it, as it is a way of dealing with negative feelings when a person doesn't feel like they can directly express or deal with them. And I believe it's a sign of trauma. Uh, yeah. And it is also a behavior that a person can learn to modify with enough therapy. So it is not necessarily a permanent part of a person's personality.
2: Some contributing factors are being punished as a child for expressing anger or negative emotions or opposing thoughts or feelings, Mm -hmm. not having learned how to assert oneself during childhood Mm -hmm. and disruptions in a child's relationship to authority figures such as parents, caretakers or teachers, which uh, sounds to me like it could in some cases be a product of racism.
0: Look at this. Look at this bitch. This Beth <laughs> yep, it does it again. That's why she's my favorite white lady. So some examples of passive aggressive behavior are acting hostile or cynical, acting stubborn, blaming others or com- and complaining about being unappreciated. Ford definitely did exhibit these behaviors.
2: Ford was arrested yet again in 1974, this time for trespassing, and as a result was required to undergo another mental health evaluation. Her daughter, Winter Scott, who was 11 at the time, was removed from her care and eventually placed in a foster home with relatives, Mm. as it was determined that Ford could not adequately care for her. Mm, That's also a traumatic event for a mother. So Ford
0: considered this to be kidnapping and she didn't think there was anything wrong with her. And she continued to believe that she was Christ reincarnated. (laughs) For years, she insisted that her child was stolen from her and insisted she had no idea where she was. Though some officials say they had been trying to find her to contact her about winter. And others say she knew perfectly well where her daughter was the entire time in LA with relatives.
2: After this arrest in 1974, she moved back to new york where she sought help from catholic charities in buffalo a nun there described her as delusional while in new york she continued to commit minor crimes resulting in her arrests such as theft drug possession and writing bad checks
0: Mm. Crimes of uh, survival, though. Yeah. Um, so she was treated at more than one mental health facility, one of which was in 1979 in Buffalo, New York, where she was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Uh, she told a counselor during this time that she had a fantasy of running crowds of people over with a car, killing them. She said, quote, the people of Reno will pay in death, unquote, for taking her daughter.
2: Whoa. In 1980, now living in Maine... Ford attempted to hire an attorney to get her daughter back for her. By this time, Winter would have been almost 18 years old. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Yeah. Ford allegedly told the lawyer that if no one helped her get her daughter back, then she would drive across the state and kill everyone she saw along the way. And uh, this reminded many of uh, Milton from Office Space when they took his stapler saying, I could set the building on fire. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> My God. Vengeance is mine. <laughs> Whoa, Minnie. Uh, so in November, 1980, Ford was intending, or was she now, to drive to San Francisco and ended up stopping in Reno, in Reno of all places. Who would have thug it? Uh, so, and she went there to cash a check. Uh, and she just somehow needed to cash this check in Reno. What a coincidence. <laughs> and then she decided to stay in that city of Reno. And as you can probably tell, Kind of like an individually wrapped potato. (laughs) <laughs> Minnie is not buying it and I just thought who would buy an individually wrapped potato so, they sell them they do yeah
2: they do they do no it's like a microwave potato what oh my god it's one of those things when I go to the grocery store with Minnie she always uh-huh. goes on rants about these potatoes
0: wait <laughs> I, I've i never seen one yeah. before it's a real thing it's a real thing and yeah. who would who need would it who would buy that wow wow <laughs> Okay, so so here we are. Uh, Priscilla Ford is in Reno. She finds a job as a package wrapper at Macy's.
2: On November 27th, 1980, Thanksgiving Day, after a morning of heavy drinking, Ford decided to go for an afternoon drive. And oh. uh, I hear that's highly recommended after a morning of heavy drinking, you know, wow. kind of drive the alcohol out of your system. Sure. <laughs> Just <laughs> kidding. <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, As somebody who has had um, struggles with alcohol use, morning drinking (laughs) never ends well. No, it does not. So uh, she started out driving on the road normally as if cruising, headed northbound on Virginia Street. I wonder what her playlist was between (laughs) Second Street and Douglas Alley. She then began to increase speed, then intentionally swerve into a crowded sidewalk and continued driving hitting as many people on the sidewalk as she could along the way Yikes. Esti- wow intense so police estimate that she drove about 100 feet on the sidewalk up to speeds of 40 miles wow. per hour
2: in wow. in a huge vehicle that lincoln yeah. Yeah, that lincoln, lincoln continental, continental. It's a, is nothing to be fucked yeah. with yeah, yeah. Ford then swerved back onto the road and kept driving, but ended up stopping in traffic five blocks later. Police caught up with her at a red light, pulled her out of the car and placed her under arrest.
0: The deputy district attorney that day, John Oakes, said, quote, I was dispatched down to a hit and run. I thought they were kidding me. It's Thanksgiving. I got downtown and it was a fucking war zone. Wow. There were bodies and shit everywhere. It was carnage. People were crying and ambulances were responding. It was a clusterfuck. Wow. Unquote. Wow. Yeah. This deputy district attorney is keeping it's, it real. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and here's a fun fact interjected by many in Canada. Instead of saying clusterfuck, they say gong show. Okay. <laughs> okay Canada they're so nice you know they are, I can't yeah. possibly say clusterfuck uh, 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 I'm, just, I'm sorry I can't say the F word oh, although gong show is pretty good too I like it, it yeah it, it uh, evokes a, a sound in my head how about a fucking gong show
0: okay yeah, yeah, look I'm at Beth do. molding the two worlds together <laughs>
2: As She was given tests to determine her blood alcohol level, Ford referred to the people she had hit with her car as beasts and pigs. No. She killed 6 people and injured 23 others. Some of the injured felt the effects many years later such as Bob and Shirley Hahn, who were hit from behind as Ford drove on the sidewalk. Shirley commented, quote, "We figured the only thing that saved us there
0: was a fellow
2: right behind us.
0: The car hit him and killed him before it hit us. We've felt it ever since." Bob just went to the doctor. He can't turn his neck like he used to. His leg still hurts him, unquote. And the awful thing is that we have to consider Bob and Shirley to be lucky.
2: Yeah. Mm. Five people died at the scene. Their names are Iva Britton, 80 years old, Jolene Cranmer, 20 years old, John Koschella, 60 years old, Paul A. Nitzel, 73 years old, and Josephine Starkey, 50 years old. One of the injured later died at the hospital, and we were unfortunately unable to find their name.
0: And uh, as I said earlier, one victim um, died one year after the injuries sustained yeah. Yeah. um in that person's name I do not know so but rest in power to all of them yeah. uh, a local television station reporter Karen Zupan had said that at the same location where the incident occurred not 5 minutes before she had been conducting interviews with people asking them what they were thankful for whoa holy
2: crap yeah yeah wow
0: oh my gosh so now we're going to get into the investigation and the arrest Hit it, Beth.
2: There was no question that Ford was the one who had driven on the sidewalk and had killed and injured numerous people in doing so. Mm. She was arrested without any struggle at the scene, surrounded by multiple witnesses. Officers at the scene described her as being exceptionally calm.
0: Well, she was very faded,
2: Yes, Uh, true. So, Which
0: could have uh, contributed to her demeanor. Now, while she was waiting for the results of her blood alcohol test, she also easily admitted to what she had done. And expressed no remorse for it to the officers at the scene. As they held her, they did have to keep the crowd away from her as more than one of the witnesses expressed wanting to kill her for what she had just done.
2: Wow. Mm -hmm. A witness at the scene said, quote, she came right at us. She came right at us with a body still on the hood of the car. And she looked like she was looking for somebody else to hit, unquote. Wow. Wow.
0: Yeah. Uh, And I can imagine the crowd being angry, but I also must say, I imagine they might have been angrier because this was a black person. Yeah. And, um, I I can also imagine that there were probably a lot of uh, n words being thrown oh, at yeah, in, uh, her direction yeah yeah so um and not to just it doesn't justify no, what she did no, I'm just no, saying
2: just a comment <laughs> yeah
0: so Deputy District Attorney John Oakes our uh, A.K.A. Mister Keeping It Real was assigned to monitor her and spent about five hours with her. He described her as having a remarkable mix of calmness and callousness. He said, "quote She looked at me point blank and said, how many people.'" did I kill? I said, five or six. And she said, good. She was very placid, like just another day very matter-of-fact, very matronly, motherly. She was acting self-righteous, like she was justified in what she did. Uh, we couldn't figure out why at the time, unquote. Police
2: interviewed 40 witnesses at the scene. Ford's blood alcohol level turned out to be twice the legal limit for driving at 0. 0.162. Oh my God. Yeah, she uh, was she was fucked up, man. She
0: was fucked up. So uh, now we're gonna get into the trials. So in December of 1980, Priscilla Joyce Ford was indicted for six counts of murder and 23 counts of attempted murder. Ford was represented by at trial by Washoe County public defender Lou Carnahan, who decided that the best possible defense for Ford
2: would be insanity. On January 29th, 1981, Priscilla Ford was declared mentally incompetent to stand trial. The judge in the case ordered that she receive mental health treatment so that she would at some point be competent to stand trial.
0: On August 6, 1981, the district court decided that she had recovered enough from her illness to be declared now competent to stand trial and jury selection could begin. Jury selection and trial preparation took months and her trial did not begin until November 12th, 1981.
2: Judge John Barrett gave an instructions to the jury that they must decide among three possible verdicts. These verdicts were innocent, innocent by reason of insanity or guilty. Priscilla Ford's plea was entered as innocent by reason of insanity.
0: The judge further explained to the jury that in order for her to be declared innocent by reason of insanity, she must not have understood the nature and quality of the acts, must not have had the capacity to determine right from wrong, or must not have known she was doing wrong when she committed the act. So in that moment, is what right. they're judging her for.
2: Right. In order to prove that Ford was not guilty by reason of insanity, Carnahan called four psychiatrists and 19 other witnesses to testify for the defense. Carnahan also presented a great deal of evidence that detailed her previous hospitalizations, arrest records, medical history, employment, and education.
0: That's some good public defender, Mayuring, Mayuring, right? Yeah. Um, psychiatrist for the defense submitted a diagnosis of paranoid schizophrenia with religious delusions. She apparently thought she was Jesus Christ and <laughs> that she had, <laughs> she was doing drugs uh, and that she had uh, the right to kill something like an an avenging angel. Wow. Yeah. Uh, she also claimed that she was incapable of sin as she was the Messiah.
2: Well, makes sense to me.
0: <laughs> okay. hey man if if it looks like a individually wrapped potato and sounds like an individually wrapped potato then it's an individually wrapped potato
2: a police officer who had been with her at the scene said that ford had calmly explained that quote i deliberately plan to get as many as possible a lincoln continental can do a lot of damage can't it unquote
0: uh, she's not yes. wrong. Where is yeah. the lie? Uh, <laughs> so the car she was driving was this 1974 version of the Continental. And it does kind of look like it could do double duty as a battering ram. <laughs> uh, The car had a huge front end. I think that's an under... Is there a, big, a be- better, bigger word for huge? And uh, <laughs> gigantic. was... E- <laughs> gigantic. And was equipped with a large, solid metal bumper and big
2: grill. The same officer also testified that Ford said I am a New York teacher. I'm tired of life. I want attention. I'm sick of problems. In June 1980, a voice told me to drive through a crowd at a theater and kill as many as possible. But another voice said... She's too much of a lady to do it. "Unquote." Wow, wow. I don't know why, but that just uh, I'm too much of a lady to drive over people with my car. That's just. wow. I uh, tickled this my funny is mom.
0: interest. She's interesting. Yeah, yeah I she will is, give her definitely. that. Now, according to Ford, senator at the time, uh, Edward Kennedy's wife, Joan Kennedy, had told her via a voice in her head that she didn't have what it takes to actually do it. Uh, She said she tried to resist the idea, but that she was goaded into it by the voice in her head.
2: Per Minnie, maybe the voice in her head told her simply, in the famous words of Rihanna, to shut up and drive. Whoa!
0: Okay, Minnie! Hip-hop air horse for you! For poking Rihanna.
2: And she also says that she knows she shouldn't poke fun, but this whole thing is just too tragic otherwise. She feels for the victims, also doesn't want to ever know what it's like firsthand to live in the hell that schizophrenics must live in. Mm -hmm. And humor is her go-to defense mechanism. And, uh, you know, we must be sisters. Right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: So apparently, Ford thought she had a special relationship with Joan Kennedy, as well as with other celebrities at the time. Oh, really? She Uh also obsessively identified with the Seventh-day Adventist Church co-founder Ellen White, Hmm. who she did physically resemble somewhat. Hmm.
2: During the trial, Ford took the stand. Her attorney advised against it, calling it public suicide, but she did it anyway, claiming she was the reincarnation of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, Adam, and or Ellen White. Wow. She at one point testified that quote, I am human and I am divine. I don't like it any more than anyone else does. I don't want to be divine, Unquote.
0: I don't want to be so awesome. I just yeah, am. I, I can't
2: help it. I, wow. It's not oh. my fault.
0: <laughs> so at one <laughs> point, oh my God. Goodness. At one point, her daughter, Winter, who was 19 at the time of the trial, also took the stand and testified that her mother had taught her to smoke marijuana at the age of nine. Um, And this would have been in 1971 when Ford's mental illness was becoming more and more apparent. Um, She was likely self-medicating with marijuana and alcohol, as some accounts do say, that she didn't want to stay on the medications that she was prescribed for her mental illness.
2: Winter also testified at the trial that her mother often talked about planning to have Winter artifacts officially inseminated so that she could give birth to the next messiah. What now? Hmm? Uh, Yeah. Come again?
0: (laughs) I'm nine, yeah, (laughs) mom. So the uh, prosecution held that Ford might have been delusional, but that she did indeed know right from wrong. Plus showed signs of having planned the murder. So she did not meet the legal insane qualification as it pertains to criminal acts. Their proposed motive was that Ford was angry that she wasn't getting the attention that she thought she was entitled to. On March
2: 19, 1982, the jury of seven men and five women found Ford guilty of six counts of first-degree murder and of 23 counts of attempted murder. Nine days later, on March 28th, the jury voted in favor of the death penalty, though that penalty was never carried out. At the time, the death penalty in Nevada would have been by gas chamber. Jesus. When she was sentenced, Ford said, quote, I would like to be left alone to die in peace, unquote. Hmm.
0: By the time the trial had ended, it was then the longest and most expensive trial in northern Nevada's history, having lasted five months almost. Close to 100 witnesses had given testimony and over 500 exhibits had been presented by the defense and the prosecution combined.
2: She later told a jailer she, quote, did what she had to do, unquote, and that the people she hit were, quote, just pigs, animals let out in a wild place, unquote. Whoa. For the next 18 years, Ford continued to go through appeals processes while she remained on death row in Southern Nevada.
0: Um, uh, I was going to say, I, Beth
2: taught me that the appeals process
0: is um, also a process that the um, victims have to participate in yeah. as well, which is not fair. It's dramatic. It's not good. So the DA for the prosecution, Cal Dunlap, said years later that he still agrees with his efforts to get the death penalty for her at the time. And it should be noted, more Black people get the death penalty than um, than white people, disproportionately. Um, According to him, quote, the reason I went for the punishment I went for wasn't because I thought she would ever be put to death. It was the best way that I knew how to assure that she would never hurt anybody else in those days. And since then, the mental health people have let people go. (laughs) The mental health people have let people go. And the parole people have let people go. And people who have killed again. They shouldn't have been let go. People who have the death penalty to deal with don't get out at all, or they get out a wa- a whole lot later than those who are convicted of first degree murder without the death penalty, unquote.
2: Dunlap also said that he didn't believe in her mental illness, that he thought she was faking it, huh. and that he thought whether or not she had any mental illness was irrelevant to the trial and sentencing. Uh-huh. uh I, I, Agree to disagree.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> Or yes. maybe I
2: don't agree. I just I disagree. Do, not at all. Not not one bit. <laughs> he just wanted her out of society. He later wrote, quote, a person who is murdered is just as dead when killed by an insane person, as is a person killed by someone with no mental disorder. The family and friends of a victim suffer no less because the death is caused by a person who is mentally ill or insane. Indeed, mm. often the death is more difficult to accept because the victim has done Absolutely nothing to provoke the wrath of the killer. Unquote. Well, wow. that's one way to look at it, I guess. I, but I guess. you've done that noted. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's not Um, really
2: about that, but okay. No,
0: okay. So keep in mind when the death penalty verdict was pronounced for Ford on March 1982, this was less than a year after the then newly elected U.S. president, oh God, Ronald Reagan, had (laughs) repealed most of the Mental Health Systems Act of 1980 that had been signed in by former President Jimmy Carter for the purpose of providing grants to community mental health centers.
2: This set up a sort of community attitude of disregard for these struggles, of the mentally ill mm. and an unwillingness to accept that ignoring the mentally ill will ultimately do more harm on society than understanding and treating them would.
0: Yeah, this is a perfect example of why mental health should be taken seriously. So yeah, big and mistake.
2: Why it should be an important, mm-hmm. is something that our society disregards and Absolutely. should not.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we want to be a better Um, society and keep everybody safe um, and well um, should be a a priority.
2: You know, everybody, the the mentally ill society as a whole, Mm -hmm. everybody.
0: Absolutely. Uh, So the long title of Jimmy Carter's signed bill was a bill to improve the provision of mental health services and otherwise promote mental health throughout the United States and for other purposes. When Ronald Reagan repealed it, one of the effects was a reduction of care for mental health patients so that many of them could no longer be effectively cared for. In the coming years, some who were in care were released from that care and left to their own devices. That's a shame.
2: Yeah, it really is. In the early 2000s, Ford's defense attorney, Lou Carnahan, said that the case really affected him. Even 21 years after the case, he said, quote, My firm belief was that she was legally insane, even under the strict McNaughton test. If the jury had found the facts as I believe they existed, she would be in a mental hospital, not in prison. Mm. I certainly respect the jury and their efforts, but I think they made a wrong decision in their interpretation of the facts. I think she should have been found not guilty by reason of insanity and placed in a secure facility such as Lakes Crossing. I believe she would have been there for the rest of her life, unquote.
0: Mm. Uh, Yes. And uh, I mean, in prison, there is no mental health treatment. No, right. Uh so at the time she was sentenced she was the only woman on death row in Nevada. As we've discussed in previous episodes it's actually pretty unusual for a woman to be sentenced to that to death. It makes you wonder if she'd been white would she have received the same sentence and I'm going to say no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So now we're going to get into where are they now? What do you got, Beth? Over the course of Ford's incarceration, a date had been set for her execution five times. But each time, sanity hearings and or death penalty appeals for a variety of reasons stopped the execution from going forward.
0: On multiple occasions, she tried to argue that the Thanksgiving Day murders were actually an accident because her car had malfunctioned. Sure, Jan. (laughs) So her car had been thoroughly examined and it was determined that there was nothing wrong with the car that would have caused her to suddenly and accidentally really drive into the crowded sidewalk on that day. Yeah. OK. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Though her execution was stayed multiple times, in the end, Ford died anyway. She died of emphysema on January 29th, 2005, when she was 75 years old. She'd been a heavy smoker for years. She died after she spent 18 years incarcerated at the Southern Nevada Women's Correctional Center, never having taken responsibility for what she had done.
0: Oh wow, she she stuck to her story until the very, until end, the very I end. guess. Yep.
2: Well, you know, she she was mentally ill, so uh she probably yeah. thought she was justified.
0: Absolutely. So um, that leads us to our takes, our hot takes. Yeah. What uh we think about the case. So um t- let's share Minnie's thoughts, shall we? Okay. So here's what Minnie has to say, y'all. Uh she said, I just kept going back and forth between hoping that she's since been reincarnated, not as Jesus, but as a Thanksgiving turkey, and hoping <laughs> that she's found some mental peace. Wow, Minnie, <laughs> just it's Minnie's comedy hour today. So it makes 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 you wonder if she had received more adequate care for her mental health issues, would this have happened at all? And another thought she had, speaking of mental illness, menopause. No kidding. That shit fucks you up and no one warns you about it. Uh, it's it's true. I am fine, I'm not in menopause, but I it really does affect you. And I mean people talk about hot flashes, possible cholesterol rising and osteoporosis, but no one talks about the hormone surges like the ones you had when you were a teenager, making you feel crazy like a teenager again, or reduction in memory, feeling exhausted, dizziness, changes to your cycle, resulting in iron loss. Wow, that can make a normal person feel like they're starting to lose their mind. And how does that interact with the brain chemistry of a schizophrenic? I don't know, but I'm thinking it's not good. And she was 51 <laughs> at the time of the murders. Yeah, and so Minnie, definitely. <laughs> wow, thank you for the hot take, yeah. Minnie. Thank I had not even considered yeah, the possibility of her age and, yeah. and hormone um, imbalances and changes. Could
2: be a, a factor for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Minnie. Yeah. Thank you. So I'm thinking untreated mental illness and substance abuse exacerbated by racism.
0: Put that in the DSM.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that she identified with Adam and Jesus, who are both, uh, you know, they're portrayed as white. Yeah. And they're both male. Yeah. Um, so That's, putting on yeah. my psychologist's hat and okay. I'm not a psychologist, but. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. As a black woman, she most likely felt powerless, and mm. thinking she was Jesus or Adam or both gave her a sense of power and control. Wow. So, yes. Yeah.
0: Another interesting, beautiful take. You yeah, too. So- <laughs> I'm just going to sit back and let you finish. <laughs> What what's that? Look alive, y'all! It's crazy out there. Bye <laughs> bye.
2: <laughs> so um, um, I don't think any of this was conscious, you know. Yes, it, yeah. And she was schizophrenic, so whatever she was thinking, I I d- totally disagree with uh the, the jury. prosecutor. Yeah, the and jury the jury and the prosecutor. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Um, I think she was mentally ill, and um, if she had not been mentally ill, she never would have done this. So that's I just agree. my thought. Yeah. yeah,
0: and she wasn't uh, either, uh, uh, even though there was a- clear evidence of her mental illness with her medical yeah. records, yeah. that yeah, she like, was hello. not, <laughs> yeah, she was not afforded the Privilege or right to be seen as a human being with yeah. mental illness and treated as such. Um, right. and so race—it starts with the an R and ends with an Racism, for sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so she was. Uh, she was born in the 1920s it, during Jim Crow terrorism. Um, segregation and violence likely played a role in her everyday life. And uh, I, as I mentioned earlier, it's likely that either a parent or grandparent of hers was an ex- enslaved person. And right. abuse perpetrated on those who. Recently, came, who came before her, um, and that she experienced in America. Probably contributed to fucking with her mental health. Right. Um, and I'm no OG of two crime like my friend <laughs> Beth here, but schizophrenia is complicated, yeah. uh, and uh, I think many mentioned most who suffer from it are not violent. Right. Um, but I've heard a lot of podcasts by because I'm fascinated by mental he- um, mental health uh, podcasts of people who s- live with schizophrenia, yeah. um, and just des- describing their experiences. I can't I can't speak to it, but it is complicated. Yeah. Um and Ford was clearly mentally ill, but never received adequate or lasting care. And society's failing to take care of our citizens who are mentally ill, as the great Jimmy Carter tried to do, but Ronald yeah. Reagan fucked it up for everybody. Fucking um, Reagan, or, man. Yeah, fucking Reagan. Why do people like him so much? Uh, um I don't, know. I, I don't understand <laughs> it. Uh and um, but but uh failing to take care of mentally ill folks or marginalized folks who need help hurts. All of us, all of us yeah all of us and what happened that fateful day on uh, Thanksgiving Day in Reno is a clear evidence of that what Correct. Uh, what yes. more evidence do we need that we need to do better um, yeah agreed oh I love it when all our minds come together <laughs> look at us solving things uh so now we're gonna get into how not to get murdered
2: so If you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you. (laughs) (laughs) This segment is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. This is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's experiences. So...
0: What do you got, Beth?
2: Well, a 16-year-old girl who had been missing for several days was rescued recently when she caught the attention of a passing driver by using hand gestures to signal that she was in distress.
0: Mm, Yes. So,
2: Yeah, so the hand signal was created in response to a rise in domestic violence cases over the pandemic lockdown. Domestic violence cases in 2020 exceeded reports from 2018 and 2019 combined god help us yeah the women's funding network launched the campaign called signal for help to raise awareness about distress hand gestures for victims to use for assistance the silent single-handed gesture is done by putting your hand up palm facing outward tucking the thumb in while the four fingers face up then close the fingers to trap the thumb Got so it. just repeat that over and over again at uh, somebody who may be able to help you yes. and uh, hopefully they understand the signal and yeah. uh, we'll be able to get you some help. Yeah, And if you are experiencing domestic violence, call the national domestic violence hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or go to thehotline.org. All calls are toll free and confidential. The hotline is available 24 seven in more than one, 170 languages. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that tip. Sure. And now we're going to get into the shout out portion of our show where we shout out any content by or about um, any othered or marginalized folks uh, and or any true crime goodies. And so we are wrapping up Indigenous Heritage Month. Uh And I saw two documentaries. I know I didn't realize you were going to talk about this. I saw your note. Oh, that's okay.
2: I changed mine.
0: Okay, all right, fine. So then here I go. So the documentary on Netflix is called Gather and it um, takes it's a documentary about taking a close look at indigenous American movements that aim to rediscover identity and reclaim sovereignty through ancestral foods. And it was it was I found it beautiful. Um, yeah. So check it out. It's, yeah, on it was,
2: it's great. Yeah. It's
0: Yes. And then another documentary called Rumble, the Indians who rocked the world. And this came out in 2017. I cannot believe I am ashamed of myself. This must be what <laughs> white people feel like when you we, and I are talking about discover, racism, racism, history. Unquote, that, yeah. Racism. Like, <laughs> how, how dare how dare I not realize Native American history is part of i mean the, the rhythms um and beats and harmonies that um are involved in native american music are rude are just you can hear it in all of the music that we listen to today wow. um and so it's about how native american um history t- plays part in american music history um and cool. it was it was incredible okay and n- did you know the song Come and get your love. Yes, yes. Bum Indigenous rock band.
2: I no knew. Idea. I knew that. Yeah. It, yeah. Oh
0: my! My mind has been blown, and again, Very I'm ashamed. Cool. But yeah. this was fantastic.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my shout out is Wheel of Time. Uh-huh. It's a new fantasy TV show on on Prime. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but uh, it's fantasy, so I'm going to be watching it. OK. okay. <laughs> and it looks like it has a very diverse cast and that's why I chose it. Uh, ah. Yeah. Yeah. On Prime. Okay. Yeah.
0: Fantasy, which we all could use a lot yes. of because yes. uh,
2: Earth show.
0: is ghetto and I want to leave. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh,
0: all right. Well, that's, that's it uh, for today. Where can the people find us, Beth?
2: Our website is fruitloopspod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod. And our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod. And links to our sources will be in our footnotes. If you want to, To support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash App. Just Google Fruit Loops Pod Cash App, or you can become a monthly patron through Podbean. This will help us pay for things like our website and pod hosting. There's no minimum and no commitment. Even a dollar would help. And as always, we have merch for sale on our website.
0: All true. That is all facts. Now, this is a weekly podcast, and new episodes drop every Thursday. So until next time, look alive, y'all. It's crazy out there. Phyllis Cottle was a badass woman, and I want to tell you her story. A production of Evergreen Podcasts and signature title of the Killer Podcast Network. You can find Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage wherever you get your podcasts. Discover more great true crime and paranormal programming at KillerPodcast.com. My name is
2: Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland News producer, and I am now the host of the podcast... Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Mahalovic, and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over
1: 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast, killer podcasts,
2: and slow burn media production. Subscribe today wherever you
0: get your favorite shows.